Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. We are glad that you were listening to us here today. Hopefully, you're on your commutes, on the treadmill, maybe cutting the grass. We don't know where you listen to it, but we're always grateful for all of our listeners to this show. We're going to talk a little bit about football, spring practices, and full swing recruiting. We've got our first commit of the 2020 class. Big 12 tournament is rolling in Kansas City this week. Where will the frogs land? That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, gentlemen, as always, it is good to be with you. Let me check in with you one at a time. Jeremy, how are you doing today, my friend? Doing great, my dude. How's how's, uh, life up in Illinois for you? Well, I've got a week and a half here in Illinois before we uh, get that final piece of the moving truck down to Memphis. So I'm doing all right. It is a heat wave here today. It was 44. So great day. (laughs) Before you get to head off to a great barbecue. There's no good barbecue in Chicago, but there better be some good barbecue. There's good barbecue in Memphis because I went down to to get set up for work for a week for a half a uh, a week about two weeks ago for a week, and I had three I had barbecue three times. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Nice. As always, the man behind the throne, the power um, that makes this thing hum, Daniel Southern. Do we have internet in Alito? Because we were going to record this Sunday night, and we didn't have any internet. How's everything doing in Parker County? It's doing good. It's doing good. Um, it is my estimation that there was some sort of upgrade. I was telling Jeremy earlier that in the tech world, often upgrades are done on Sundays, and that's probably what happened. So uh, it is a very rare thing, but uh, it knocked us out, but we're good to go today. They need to respect that we do this show on Sunday nights and stop doing their upgrades um, when, when we're recording by far the best TCU podcast that originates from Parker County and yeah. Kendall County. They need to adjust their business model. It's really ridiculous. Hey, speaking of, I got a, I, I got a pretty good compliment from one of our listeners at the Not a Champions. He said he enjoys the podcast, and uh, I want to say when he walked off that he thought that, that ours was the, the most informational, like we had the best information. So uh, keep doing a good job, Daniel and Jeff. Well, we, we are the most informational. We're clearly the most entertaining. I mean, we're all hilarious. Absolutely. The three and, and production quality is fantastic. Oh, man. Daniel. Oof. Yeah, he, he's the power behind the throne. He's the one that makes this thing hum. So, yeah, I, I agree. You know, information, production quality, uh, content, all that kind of stuff. And then um, whatever else we haven't mentioned yet, we're clearly the top at that. So. <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about it. We've been we've been doing this thing for f- coming up on four years now, and it's it's kind of crazy that this is still rolling. So, um, thanks to everybody who's listened, and whoever it was that came up to Jeremy at Night of Champions, uh, drop us a message. I'm sure you follow us on the board or on social media. Let us know. We'll give you a shout out on the next show, and uh, maybe get you a free T-shirt. They don't exist yet, but when we have T-shirts, we'll get you one. So <laughs> we can give them a free T-shirt. It just will be random and won't say broadcast or anything. I got a couple of t-shirts, t-shirts I need to get rid of. I could get him a uh, I could get him a a line eye t-shirt for another 10 days here. I could grab one of those. I know everybody in Fort Worth wants one of those. Well, before we get into the content, which of course is amazing, I want to thank uh, our sponsor Teen Life. If you haven't yet, go to teenlife.ngo and find ways to contribute to the the quality of life for teenage students throughout the DFW area and beyond. I don't know about the two of you guys, but I think it's a whole lot harder now to be a teenager than it was uh, five years ago, 10, 15 years ago, like it was for us. And anything that we can do to invest in the life of teenagers and youth to help them uh, generate the skills they need to make good choices in life and be able to be fully functioning citizens and care about their neighbor and be able to excel in in their academic opportunities, anything we can do to help make that happen is going to be a benefit and a gift to our society. So if you haven't yet, learn more at teenlife.ngo. Find a way to volunteer. They're in public schools all over DFW, as well as maybe make a contribution. Maybe we got some big money boosters that listen to this show. Um, You know, if you got a press, you know, if you got a suite in the new east side, you can probably make a nice little donation to teamlife.ngo you will be glad that you made a difference in your community well jeremy as we mentioned we have uh, spring football that is going on we're already on spring break that means we're basically almost halfway through spring practice uh you know there is a lot to talk about with spring football we've got quarterback we've got uh some roster issues that you mentioned on the board today. I'm going to put you on the spot on that, uh, even if you give me no comment. We got a lot of things that are floating around. Just think about if you were going to write a, a quick article on the back of a post-it note here, 
what are two takeaways from spring ball that you, uh, maybe what you heard at, at press availability, maybe what you heard through your sources that you think our listeners would want to know about in terms of the status of TCU football halfway through spring ball? Well, I've been pretty upfront with the quarterbacks and the way they've performed. I think the first and foremost, it, it sounds like just, and for me being out there and watching them just for that one day, uh, I could just tell, it seems like the, the quarterback unit is going to be better than what we've seen in years past. Alex Delton's obvi- obviously making a, be- a, a better splash than what people predicted him to, to be making. Um, he's, he's got a good arm, uh, through the football really accurately when I was out there Sunday and I keep hearing that he did well. Um, he, I heard that he did well before that. And then I heard he did well at, at the scrimmage, but Justin Rogers also got some first team reps with the scrimmage. And I think he threw a touchdown pass to, uh, Trevante Heights. And I think he might've thrown one to Barber in that game, but the, the good thing out of that scrimmage is it sounds like the offense was moving a little bit, but defensively I've, I've been told it's just very athletic and just haven't seen those guys on Sunday. I could tell you the speed there is tremendous. It might be, I say this every year, but I'm, I'm mean, I'm being really honest when I say this, it seems like they just keep getting faster and faster and faster on defense. It seems like there's not a position on the field that doesn't have a slow guy playing there. Um, so that's, that's got to give you some kind of optimism moving forward on defense, especially when, you know, even when they have to reload at several positions, Gary always has those guys ready to play. But uh, definitely quarterbacks, and, and and really the big concern for me right now, and, and Coach Patterson as well, is depth at linebacker. I mean, you have uh, Garrett Wallow coming back that finished third on the team in tackles last year, played pretty well at linebacker in his first year there. And you have Montreal Wilson, who's battled injuries for his whole entire career, basically since his freshman year. But at 6'3", 225, with good speed, 4'5", four, 4'6", four, speed, he's very athletic and uh, hopefully he can stay healthy and, and they're not going to push him too much this spring. But other than those two guys, I'm going to tell you boys right now, it, it's kind of scary. You got Jacoby Simpson that really doesn't have any experience. You have uh, Demarion Holmes that moved from strong safety down to linebacker, no experience. You have Ben Wilson, even if he was going through spring ball, which he's not, he really doesn't have a lot of experience. So you're, you're talking about a position that has to replace four guys. And I've said this, over and over on the board, you're replacing four guys that that were really major contributors at that position. And just last year alone, if you guys haven't seen, Daniel, I know you don't hop on the board too much. And, and Jeff, I don't know if you've even seen it, but you're talking about four guys that totaled 220 tackles last year between the four of them. And so you've got to find a way to, to come up with something close to that as far as adding linebacker depth. But quarterback, Looking good, linebacker, big, big, big question marks right now. Well, this will transition us into the question I wanted to ask you. Uh, you know, we do have depth issues at linebacker. You know, we may have some roster spots that are going to open up. Are the Frogs in the market for a grad transfer? Uh, you know, I'm not going to beat the beat to death the kid, poor kid from Rice that we're probably going to end up with, but we don't know anything about until the end of the uh, spring ball. Are the Frogs in the market for a grad transfer at linebacker? If you, if you heard any comment on the record or off the record about that, and do you think that's something that the staff is going to have to uh, poke around on um, in the offseason because of depth issues? I haven't heard linebacker. Defensive tackle, which obviously I think we all know who, who Gary mentioned, um, a defensive tackle graduate transfer, maybe uh, maybe a wide receiver graduate transfer, um, and, and he said that last last week after uh, after the practice. And I think we could all you know, all agree that uh, excuse me, the defensive tackle he's talking about is Abercrombie from Rice. And I, I I think for now they're still in the works trying to trying to figure out a way to get him on campus. Um, for his last year, he's still at Rice. He doesn't graduate till May, so they got a, a little bit of time. But uh, as far as linebackers go, no, I have I haven't heard anything on or off record in that regard. Well, that's where I'm really curious about because I, I think that is the big issue. I, I'm I'm confident actually in the defensive ends. I know we got some fresh young guys at the on uh, at the end. Obviously, losing Ben and losing LJ is a big issue. But I I don't think they'll reload. I don't want to use that cliche, but I think they're going to continue to be strong. But linebacker is, man, there's just no depth there. So I'm going to concur with that in the hopes that 
you know, they can find somebody maybe on the grad transfer market after after spring ball kind of things flesh out on rosters on other teams. That'll be curious to see what happens there. Because the Frogs obviously won out on it last year with yeah. Juwan Johnson coming down from in, just up the road from me at NIU. And, you know, no, he didn't start day one, but he contributed and, and made big plays. And, and he was in Mark Cohen's most memorable moment of the 2018 season. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm all for getting a grad transfer at linebacker, but. Yeah. Well, I, you don't you don't have to spill the beans here, but what what do we know about some roster changes? You you've mentioned that there's a couple of guys that are maybe no longer with the program. If it's public yet, I'd love for you to share it. If not, I respect your decision, but update us a little bit on some roster transitions. Well, I wanted, I wanted to say first before I talk about that, the you know, when you look at linebackers and defensive ends, two of the positions that are question marks right now, the good thing with the defense is you have a nucleus of guys coming back on the interior at defensive tackle. You got Blacklock, you got Corey Bethley, you've got George Ellis, Terrell Cooper. Uh, you've got Carter Johnson coming in, Sony Meese coming in. And if you get a graduate transfer like Abercrombie, you're going to even add even more experience and depth to that position. And typically when they, uh, Ross, did I mention Ross Blacklock already? Yeah. Ross was the first one, but typically when you have good interior defensive linemen, it, it really makes your ends better. And it makes your linebackers a lot better. It makes your linebackers to where they don't have to make a ton of plays, especially when they're playing between the tackles. Um, and, and, and with Wallow and Wilson, when you have those guys that are athletic the way they are, when when you face those spread teams in the Big 12, they, they, they're better linebackers than pass coverage. So that's not where I'm really worried with them at. I'm worried about when they have to face the Oklahomas and those teams that run the football well, like Kansas State as well. So, uh, But the two guys that, that I mentioned on the board – and I mentioned them by name. I mean, it's no secret. Uh, Bryson Jackson and Chase Van Wagner are no longer part of the football team. Uh, I think from what I've been told is that Bryson is going to focus more on baseball. Uh, I, I don't know if that's going to be at TCU. I'm assuming it is. Uh, I mean, he that was part of the reason why he was uh, pulled toward TCU because he liked both the football and baseball program. Uh, with Chase, I'm not really sure. Chase was kind of one of those guys that – they, they were kind of up in the air if they were going to offer or not. He didn't have a whole lot of offers from other programs. It was really just TCU and a, a few other smaller schools. So uh, I don't know if this is a situation where he's just looking to, to go somewhere else where he can get more playing time or what. But uh, I, I just know that, that both those guys are, are no longer part of the team. One of the things I wanted to say when you were talking about the, the strength of the defensive interior, uh, just my little dream is Carter Johnson swinging out to uh, D end every now and then with that speed and kind of being an LJ Collier with, with more weight. So, you know, if you get all those guys on the field once, if you can get Corey Bethley, Ross Blacklock and Carter Johnson on the field, I would, uh, I would be a happy man. I think that could make for, uh, I think that could make me look like a good linebacker. (laughs) It's going to be a big defensive line this year, to, to be honest, because you have a guy like Adam Plant that's on the roster now that's almost six, seven, he's a legit six, six, two seventy. You have uh, Shamik Blackshear that's coming in from South Carolina. Once he gets on campus and and gets uh, going through fall ball, I mean they're they're going to be big and athletic at defensive end. And it, it's funny because if you look at their roster, Brandon Bowen's a six four, six five defensive end. O'Shawn Mathis is another six five defensive end. Um, excuse me, Adam Plant, like I said, six six. Uh, Shamik Blackshear, six five. Uh, Parker Workman's pretty much the baby of the group, and he's probably the the guy that has the the highest motor. I mean, he's he he is very active. Even when he they weren't in pads the other day, I could just tell he he really gets into it. And and I could see he looks like Sam Elliott from Roadhouse, like his grandson. <laughs> he's he's gonna be. I, I foresee him being one of those guys that maybe isn't uh, the guy that's getting big numbers on, on stat column, but he's just going to be a leader. Somehow he's going to be a leader of that defense. He's going to be the guy that uh, he just, when he comes into the game, he's going to give the defense a spark because people know that he's going to just come out there and bust his tail. Kind of reminds me, not not really, you know how, if, if you watch Matt Boson, you know how when he came in, it was just like, he looked like he was having so much fun playing the game. And that's what Parker Workman looks like. I'm not saying Workman's going to be like Matt, getting around the edge and, and sacking the quarterback, but man, he just looks like he has so much fun being out there. And, and he, he, you know, he's that type of player that's not taking his opportunity for granted. This was a kid that had Hawaii and 
just a little bit of interest from UCLA. So he's right now playing at one of the top defenses in the country under arguably the, the top one or two de- defensive mind in college football uh, with Gary Patterson. So, you know, he's, he's loving this opportunity he's getting, he's not going to go out there and blow it, but uh, I, it was just kind of fun watching him on Sunday because I, I think he is going to bring something to the defense. As I mentioned, not, not high in stats, but maybe just one of those guys that just gives an extra effort to where he, he creates so much havoc. It's going to give a stat to another defensive end or defensive lineman and uh, make plays that way. But I, I'm excited. I, I'm not I'm not near as nervous about defensive ends as I am linebacker right now. Going to make for a fascinating offseason. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. I'm really not concerned about defensive ends, but I am concerned about linebackers. Hoping hoping the Frogs can, you know, grow them up, as Coach Patterson says, but also uh, maybe, maybe go find somebody that wants to come play and uh, be able to contribute at linebacker. We need some depth there because it is it is lacking. Um, just real quick then, you know, what are your thoughts on the defensive backfield? I know that's kind of hard to, to measure, especially when the guys are just kind of trotting around out there. What do you see as the – who are the one or two guys in the in the deep for the DBs that you think are going to be the leaders back there? Because I feel like we got some strength returning there, even though there's a hole to fill here and there. But what are your what's your insight through a couple of weeks of spring practice on the defensive backfield? Well, like I said last week, Jeff Gladney's the leader. I mean, he's he's got future first round, second round NFL draft pick written all over him. He's he just dom he was so dominant the day I was out there watching him, and and I think he still continued to do well. Um, so we all know what Jeff Gladney can do. I don't. I don't think I'm going to be telling any TCU fan anything new that they haven't heard. Uh, but as far as the young guys, uh, I really, I really, really like Noah Daniels. I really like that kid. He's he's so athletic. He's got great size. He's fast. Made a couple great plays. Uh, it, the the one guy that I've been told to to keep an eye out for, and really all he has to do is just really fully commit to understand how good he can be at the position because it's one of those deals where he's he's not fully grasping everything yet but once he does he's he's going to be great and I think it's just really on him to get in the film room and 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 help learn and that's LaKendrick Van Zant. I've heard so many good things about him athletically and I think you know saying he could be the next great thing but he really needs to to focus on helping himself get better, taking those those uh, those things that the coaches are are, are teaching them and, and and really learning from that. And again, as I mentioned earlier, get in the film, get in the film room, watch watch tape, watch your mistakes, do whatever to help you grow. But um, I, I've heard great things about him. He just just those little little tidbits that he's got to improve on. I asked Coach about uh, Trayvon Morig, and the one thing that I've I've told you guys before on on here, and I've mentioned it on the board, is that word around the program is like he he may go down as one of the most athletic safeties they've ever had. And when you watch the other night at Night of Champion, he's power cleaning four hundred some odd pounds, and he's a great runner. We all know his athletic ability is there. We watched him in some games last year. He got a lot of playing time played the most out of any true freshman they had. And he's, he's got a extremely high ceiling. What I'm watching out for and what I asked coach Patterson about the other day is has he learned to be the quarterback of the defense? And what I mean by that and what made Nico small so great and Nick or so great. And I know I'm going to Sam a, Carter get a lot. Well, I'm talking just about free safety. This just, oh, just okay, free okay, safety. Sorry. And I'm getting a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people are mumbling right now under their breath. I, Nico Smalls was horrible, blah, blah, blah. But the thing about Nico and Nick was they were so great at, at lining the defense up, uh, signaling coverages, and, and just playing smart and, and really just being the quarterback of the defense. T.J. Johnson was probably the smartest guy ever, ever at that position, along with Chris Hackett. I mean, those guys, T.J. and Chris, weren't going to blow you away athletically. But, man, they were just so smart, and, and Chris especially had really, really good ball skills. Just knew, knew where to anticipate a play happening, knew how to anticipate a quarterback's throw, and that's, that's why he had so many interceptions. He was just really good at doing that. And, and that's what Trevon's got to be able to do is just really develop that sense as a 
quarterback in the secondary. And if he does that, if he plays anywhere close to, to how those three or four guys I mentioned uh, awareness-wise, then we may very well be looking at perhaps a top five safety ever to play for Coach Patterson since he's been at TCU. I mean, he has that kind of athleticism. So I'm, I'm waiting to see if he could put it together. He's, he's obviously working with the first team right now. Uh, and he, he's got, he's got a learning curve, but you know what, they're, they're going to get through it. I think he's, I think he's going to play well. And I think him playing last year will help out tremendously. Wasn't that in the Baylor game where he had a big interception that he ended up running back for 30, 40 yards. I just, I was really impressed with what he did last year. There was so a play. I'm, I'm going to concur with you. There was a play. There was a play that really caught my attention with him. And I think it was against Oklahoma. If I'm not mistaken, but I think Kyler Murray was out running out of the pocket and he was able to tackle him one-on-one and it, we didn't get the Kyler Murray slide. We didn't get any of that. He was able to just tackle him one-on-one and, and I don't remember a lot of people doing that. And I remember asking coach Patterson about that and he, and he had mentioned that was a pretty impressive play. So when you can wrap up a guy like that one-on-one in open space, like he was, that, that's pretty impressive. Now I won't, mentioned his tackling ability against Kansas against uh, Williams because he juked the crap out of everyone on that one play he scored the touchdown on. But, uh, you know, he's he's got a very high ceiling, uh, Morig does. I, I, I can't wait to see what he does this year. Any other young guys? Uh, Nook Bradford. <laughs> That's going to be the steal of the class right there. I'm telling you right now, that kid is getting more praise than I think any other defensive back right now uh, when, when people talk to me. He is – he. this is a kid that I think if he would have – if he would have been academic, academically eligible uh, last year, he would have been – he would have been playing as a true freshman. And he ended up having to go to a prep school, didn't have his ac- academics together, he had to go to a prep school, and – he, he learned from his mistakes and he's got his grades good. Now he's at TCU. And it, again, he's just, he was just a very, very athletic player. The first time I ever saw him last year was at a seven on seven tournament in college station. And I thought then this was, this was when TCU was offering him, but they kind of knew that, okay, he's, he's not going to get in. He's not, his grades aren't going to get him in. But man, I was thinking his kid is so athletic, just flies all over the field. He's got great size. And when I saw him out there on last Sunday, he really does fly around. I mean, he's got a huge learning curve. He's only been on campus a few months. But, man, he he, he reminds me of Derek Kindred. I'm telling you right now, that kid reminds me of Derek Kindred. Maybe not as fast straight line because Derek was a pretty fast kid. But, I mean, just, just the way his awareness is and just – being able to fly all over the field, I, I'm excited for that kid. And I think he's he's probably going to be the kid out of this class that we're going to be talking the most about in the shortest amount of time. That is good content on what's going on, on the defensive side of the ball as well as spring practice. So thank you for, uh, for, for filling us in on that. Let's kind of move from on the field to off the field, which is recruiting. I have a feeling when people say they love the information on this show, recruiting's got to be at the top of that list, aside from, you know, our Baylor jokes and, you know, my my updates of, of, of my life. Um, Frogs got their first 2020 commit. It felt like it took forever, Jeremy. You got a lot of banter about it. Are we going to get Yay. one? When are we going to get a commit? We got to commit. Tell us about it. I like this kid a lot. And if you haven't watched this film, watch this film because it, it is really good. That it, this just another example of them finding these kids. Uh, Jade Barron is his name, 5'11", 175. He's legit, I would say, at least 5'10 and a half, probably 5'11", because I, I saw him at the basketball game when uh, TCU played Tech. Uh, and, and I saw him walking around with Chad Glasgow, and he's, he's definitely a, a good-sized kid for a corner. And if you if you watch his film, you're going to think, man, how in the world are teams not on this kid? Because he's got great film. Well, Connolly, Pflugerville Connolly was one and nine last year. They, I mean, when you're on a one-win team, you're, you're going to get lost. I mean, for, for recruiting, you're going to get lost. 
And, and that's kind of what happened to him. But TCU was able to stay on him and built that relationship. Him and Glasgow have a great relationship. And I knew when he got offered that it, you know, TCU was his best offer, but he said he kind of wanted to wait it out a little bit. Well, then he kind of surprised us all and, and, and went ahead and made his decision. And if you follow recruiting as a fan, what's funny is if you follow it really closely, everyone over the years has always made the joke, once TCU offers, other teams will come calling. And what do you think happened? Daniel, do you know what happened? Have you been around to see this? Sorry, I had the mic muted. I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, as Jeff, soon you as know. TCU offered, he got offered by Tech, by Oklahoma State, by Arkansas, Mississippi State, <laughs> and then Texas and A&M no. <laughs> have started to show interest. It hadn't been that bad. But as soon as he committed to TCU, a day later, Oklahoma State offered. And it, what's funny is like people are going to watch his film and they're going to see how, how good of a player he is because he could press you. But what I like is he doesn't play a lot of press. He plays a lot of he play he, he bells out some, then he plays plays just a lot of man to man. And he's got he's got great hips, turns and runs really well. Uh, he he had one a couple plays on offense. He had just to kind of tell you what kind of speed he has. He had three catches for 135 yards. And one of those catches was like a 90-yard touchdown. So he's got he's got some wheels to him. But it, he's going to be one of those guys I think is going to continue to draw more interest because now that teams see that not only is he a 5'11", 175-pound corner, he's committed to TCU, which TCU is known to do great evaluations, especially for defensive players. So that's going to open the eyes to a lot of people. And I think uh, you know for him, they're going to they're have to stay on him pretty hard because it, it is going to be – a lot of interest for him. I think uh, on our initial ranking, I think we put him at 58 and I think he could go even higher than that. I, you know, I've seen a lot of film for some of these other kids in the state and, and really the, the corners that I like, I've always been very upfront with it. I love Jalen Kimber. I think personally, that's the best corner in the state. I haven't seen a, a better corner that can cover uh, better man-to-man than, than what Jalen can. Tari Rogers is another kid out of Arlington that, that I, I'm really high on, and I know TCU is very high on. But all these other guys like Ryan Watts, I think he's a safety. I like him as a, as a defensive back, but I think he's more, I think he's more of a safety type. Uh, Joshua Eaton, I'm still kind of up in the air with him. I, I love his length. He's long. He's got to add some weight, but – if you look, if you look in general, where where Barron is at five eleven, basically one hundred and eighty pounds, he's already got the size, and he and he's got he, he's got good skills, and 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 that's what that's what TCU saw on him, and and that's why they offered, and that's why of course they they took the commit, and when you look back or listen back to our podcast and and go back to the board and and, and see what I've written, the the defensive side of the ball isn't going to have a ton of commitments. It's just not. It's going to be a small class. They signed 27 kids last year. 19 of those kids were defensive players. So there's going to be more offensive heavy for this class. And I've already been told on a few occasions that they may only take one or two corners in this 2020 class. So the fact that they took Barron early on like they did means they lock them a lot. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other teams that start locking them as well. You said that last week that they're going to have 16 commits. I wrote that down. I actually put it on my is a, <laughs> in my bookmark in my Bible so that whenever I need something authoritative, I can just go back to that. So 16 is the number. You've said it once, and it's it's written in stone. I just want to make sure I can hold you accountable to that every single week until February of next year. Now? Yes, it's 16, and it can't change. There's <laughs> nothing can change. If we have eight kids transfer, it's still 16. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, that's good to get an update on on the first commit for 2020. Let's uh, open up the door a little bit here for for who might be down the road to, to commit to the Frogs. You said the Frogs have got some some guys coming in on campus over the next couple of days, maybe some guys that they've been in contact with. Maybe just take a minute or two on update us on maybe some guys we haven't heard about or some guys some you think our listeners would want to know about on the recruiting class of 2020. Well, I think uh, I think one guy to keep an eye on is is the receiver out of Hutto, uh, Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Harrison. And if you watch his film, he's another kid that's under the radar right now. But if you watch his film, he, he takes 
he's he he's a TCU receiver. He takes those short little swing passes, and he makes a whole lot of yards out of them. And some of them he'll take the whole distance. Some of them he's getting ten yards, but he he looks like he's getting shot out of a rocket, out of a cannon. I mean, he just he just flies down the field. He's he's very fast, about five nine, five ten. So he's he's kind of like the the past slots that they've recruited a, a guy like Turpin, a guy like Tay Barber, kind of kind of in, in that size and, and with that kind of speed. You gotta you gotta watch his film to kind of understand what I'm talking about with him. But uh, it, it's funny because it, it was kind of like Baron him, Baron and Taj Brooks out of Manor are all really close. They're all from the syntax area. Uh, none of them have said they all want to go to the same school, but it, it's funny because I know one of the first people that started liking Barron's tweets were Harrison. And I've even joked around with Harrison. I, you know, helped build his profile and everything else. And I joke around with him and, and I've put in a crystal ball for TCU and I tell him, Hey, I'm not going to change my crystal ball until you tell me. And he, and he always just gives me the laugh. And, and, uh, so that's, that's a little bit promising and, I'm hoping that we get him ranked here pretty soon because I, I, I sent in his film to get evaluated and hopefully uh, hopefully he can get a ranking just in case he does decide to, to commit early. But uh, Taj Brooks, I, I, I put my crystal ball in for him too. I put it in for him before he got the Arkansas offer. Arkansas is going to be kind of – for running backs, it's going to be hard for me to choose against them right now because they didn't take any running backs – in 2019, and I know 2020 is a, a big need for them at running back. So uh, I don't want to say I'm going to back off my crystal ball for Brooks. I know he obviously still likes TCU a lot, and he is committed to Tulsa still. I mean, he hasn't decommitted, decommitted from them yet either. So uh, he he will kind of kind of take a while in this process. Kaneen Caldwell from uh, Oak Grove, Louisiana, defensive tackle. I saw him last week. He if if there was a kid on defense. Uh, that I think should have a good argument for a four-star that's currently a three-star, it would be him. Uh, he moved really well at Nike. He didn't run a great 40 time, but when it came to one-on-ones, he, he really dominated that that particular portion of the camp. Isn't he 330? Yeah, he's a big kid. Yeah, he's a he's a really big kid. He's a really nice kid, too. He just He's a really humble kid. And, and what kind of stood out about me, if you if, – if you ever driven through Louisiana, go and you're driving down 20, you go through Shreveport, Ruston, and and Monroe. I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of the belt for TCU recruits. They Rusty Burns has done a great job recruiting that area the last few years, and, and really ever since he's been at TCU. But Oak Grove is just north of I 20. It's in the northern part of uh, northern part of the state, and it's a really small town, and the guy, you know, I always talk about Zarnell Fitch, how he has all this this relationship with all these recruits. And, again, he has this great relationship with Caldwell. And, and Zarnell's from a really small town in Oklahoma. So they've got that connection. That's what Caldwell tells me. He's like, he's just a small town uh, country boy, and I'm just a small town country boy, and we're just trying to, you know, play football. And so he, he really likes that about Fitch, has a good relationship with him. I think if there was a kid that – is telling me that he's going to wait a while in the process, but all of a sudden makes a decision. It would be him, which would be a pretty good get because Texas A&M's recruiting him pretty hard. Uh, but I, but I do think that TCU has made a great impression with him. It's just, you know they've got smaller classes. The campus isn't quite as big as Texas A&M, and it they're going to be uh, at a position of need at defensive tackle at least one uh, in, in next year. But I don't want to I don't want to say. They don't need a defensive tackle in 2020, but they don't need a defensive tackle in 2020 if you kind of get my drift. They, they're they not going to be pursuing so heavily uh, for a defensive tackle in this class unless there's one that just comes along that just totally impresses them and he's a can't-miss guy. And, and right now, I think Caldwell is right there at that level. If he called tomorrow and said, I want to be a frog, they'd probably take the commit and 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 just move along and shut it down at defensive tackle. Uh, but at the same time, I, I could see them just trying to make sure 100% that, they, that they've got a, a need at defensive tackle. And uh, I know fans are going to get driven crazy by me saying that, 
but that's just recruiting. That's that's how that's how it works. It's just recruiting one on one oh one. Uh tomorrow, Tuesday, when you guys are listening to this, Josh White should be getting offered. Side Creek linebacker has twenty five, twenty six offers. Uh, rated number 19 in the country right now. I saw him at uh, Under Armour's camp a few weeks ago in Houston, really like his ability. Uh, he's he's not the biggest cat in the world at linebacker, 6'1", around 205, 200. But he's athletic. If you watch his film, man, he makes plays, has a great nose for the football. And I know TCU is – is going to be, you know, all they've been recruiting him pretty heavily and just told him, hey, once you come up, we'll offer you. We want to see you in person. Do that whole spill, and and, and he'll walk away with an offer. But uh, getting him on campus would be pretty big. That is some great info. Plenty of content for people like me that are recruiting junkies. you got a whole new set of names to learn, a whole new group of teenagers to follow on Twitter, whole new group of people to live and die with until uh, December and then February of, of this year and next. So hopefully you've been able to kind of get your recruiting fill from Jeremy this week. Let's pit. Hey Jeff, go ahead. More, go ahead. One, one more before, before we, we move on to basketball. On, go ahead. on, on, on Saturday, they're going to have three guys up there and it's, it's the return trip for two of them. And I'm not trying to get fans excited over it because, you know, some of these kids do come up multiple times, but, these two kids I've heard great things about. They've talked to me and, and both told me that TCU is among their favorites. But that's Daniel Jackson, the, the receiver out of Steel, uh, that, that's starting to pick up a ton of interest. And Dominic Richardson from Bishop McGinnis out of Oklahoma City. And, and that was that's a running back that I know uh, is extremely high on their list. And this will be his second visit down. So... Uh, and I, not only has Dominic told me that he really likes TCU, but I've heard through some other people that TCU was his top school. So not saying there's going to be a commitment this weekend, but it might be something to watch out for just in case. And the last guy coming in is a guy they just offered a couple weeks ago out of St. Louis, Mitch Walters, offensive lineman. Uh, he's coming down. And when he got offered from TCU, that was pretty eye-opening for him. He likes the program, likes the fact that TCU's had a good history lately of sending a bunch of offensive linemen to the NFL. So that's that's another uh, a big recruit to get on campus and kind of hopefully sway him a little bit. Going to uh, maybe have some news for everybody on Sunday night. So hopefully, uh, hopefully some stuff will break our way. I will be coming from Houston on Sunday. Uh, so – I will be at the Nike camp, the the opening regional in Houston. So hopefully I'll have a lot of recruiting nuggets to, to spill out of that one too. It'll be, I'll catch up with some guys that I talked to about two or three weeks ago at, at the Under Armour camp down there. And hopefully I'll catch up with some, some other guys. I didn't have a chance to, to reach last time I was down there, but uh, if we don't record next Sunday night, that's because I'm probably driving on I 45 or uh I-35 through College Station from Houston to, to get back home. Well, we'll probably go ahead and do that Monday night anyway then so that we uh, get to give you a chance to get home safe, uh, we'll, we'll, if, especially if we get some kids that, that are maybe maybe on the edge of committing, and then you got a whole new group of guys that you want to sit down and evaluate and give us an update on. So we'll, we'll record that a week from tonight. All right, let's flip over to basketball. Uh, the Frogs beat. Texas down in Austin, Shaka, I call him Shaka Khan. I'm a child of the eighties, but it's Shaka smart. Uh, Shaka smart is clearly on the hot seat. He's the last vestige of the Steve Peterson era down there in Texas. I don't think Del Connie's going to put up with that, but the frogs beat Texas in Austin. Uh, you know, they're either right on the edge of the bubble or on the, in, or they're on the bubble or on the inside looking out. So I, I think if the frogs beat Oklahoma state, and then have a respectable game against K-State, maybe even beat them. I think I think they're in. So, you know, we could recap that game in, in Texas, but I think it's all pretty clear. We beat Texas, and uh, Jamie Dixon is 5-1 and one against Texas since he took over the, the job here at TCU. I'm looking forward to the Big 12 tournament. I, I know I'm biased, but I love the Big 12 tournament. I've never been, but I hear it is amazing. You're right there in Kansas City. They got the Power and Light District right down there. It is That whole area is just built for the Big 12 tournament. You know, all the so many of the teams are able to drive in from right there. Obviously, yeah. Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, they just they they you know, it's it's 
you know, for some of them, it's 40 minute drive, you know, especially if you're in Kansas city, it's, you know, 30 minute drive, but that is a amazing tournament and the frogs are going to have a chance to, to make some noise there. Kansas city is an awesome place anyway. I mean, it, it's a great place to have a tournament, uh, easy, easy in and out to that airport, but man, I, I'm a, I'm in agreement with you. I, I think TCU has a chance to make a little noise and I don't know, I don't know what last Saturday has me thinking because in, in one hand I'm thinking, okay, well, this team limped to the finish line. They, they lost a game against West Virginia. They lost against Oklahoma state. They got, you know, beat by Texas tech, Kansas state. They had lost six of their last seven games before they played Texas. And when I look at Texas, I'm thinking, okay, how good was Texas? Was this a, a really good uh, win for TCU? I know uh, Roach didn't play for them. That was a that was a loss for them. He could have easily made the 13 point difference for them. I, I will say that. But they they finished the job. They knew they had to get a win. They had to go on the road. And man, by the way, did you see the Irwin Center? How empty that thing looked. Ooh, that looked like you're a right. 1973. You're, you're right. Game. You're right with Chris. You're right with Chris. I don't think he's going to put up with that. But uh, if you look at Texas, yeah, they've got they've got eight wins in conference, and and that was a good win for TCU. The only the only teams that TCU did not beat in conference was Kansas, Texas Tech, and Kansas State. They beat everyone else. They they got a good win against Baylor. They got uh, two great wins against Iowa State, obviously beat Texas. I think they beat three of the teams in front of them. Uh, the, the bad losses were both losses to Oklahoma, lost to Oklahoma State, and lost to West Virginia. And, and, and those are going to be hard to overcome. But luckily, their non-conference, you know, it, it works out for them. Their uh, Ken Palm uh, ranking was pretty good. The NET ranking is decent enough for them to get in the conference. I think Joe Lenardi – with ESPN has them at a 12 seed and Jerry Palm has them at a 10 seed. I think if they can get a win, which I know they could beat Oklahoma state. They, they didn't play good perimeter defense against them. The last time up in Stillwater, I think Oklahoma state hit 11, three pointers. They just refused to play perimeter defense. It was, it was horrible. And that was kind of the start of a, a tremendous landslide for them. It was just really, really bad basketball for them. But if they could somehow get that win, that gives them 20 wins. And I think that solidifies them uh, with their second consecutive postseason berth. If they get past Oklahoma State and face Kansas State, this is, this is one team for – it sounds crazy to say this, but – there was two teams that I never worried about TCU beating that, that I thought were good teams in this conference. One was Iowa State, and the second one was Kansas State. Maybe it's just me not respecting Kansas State like I should. I mean, it really is, because I look at their record, and, and, and I'm like, okay, dude, they were stinking, you know, 14-4 and four in conference or whatever it was. I mean, they were really good. Texas, but if, if I'm looking at Texas Tech and Kansas State – to me, I think Texas Tech beats them convincingly. You know what I mean? And if if I'm to – I posted this on the board, I'm so glad that Kansas State got the one seed because if TCU beats Oklahoma State, I like their chances so much better against Kansas State, especially now that we know Dean Wade is out. He's doubtful for the tournament, and, and they're not expecting him to play. So if they can beat Oklahoma State, and get by Kansas State, they're in the semifinals. That's that's it. That's great. That that's all they need. Especially that win if they get a win over Kansas State. That's all they'll need. And they're in. They'll they'll be in for the second consecutive year. If they lose to Oklahoma State, I I don't know, man. I, I really don't if know. If they lose to Oklahoma State, they should not be in the tournament. I, I'll just say that. I, I don't I agree with yeah. you. I agree but, with you. I would just I, but I don't I don't know what they're gonna be. I don't know. I don't know what the selection committee is going to think. You know what I mean? It, it just—it's too many, too many questions. If they don't beat the Cowboys, you know, there's a lot of variables, uh, and deserves is actually not one of them. But I'll just say, if they don't beat Oklahoma State, they don't be deserve to be in the tournament. But look at this. Now, this is 
I, the the amount of purple Kool Aid I'm about to drink here is 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 beyond measure. But if the Frogs beat Oklahoma State, they they get Kansas State, who I agree I'm not concerned about Kansas State. We might lose to them, but I I would I would much rather play K State than Texas Tech. We cannot beat Texas Tech. K State we can beat, but if we beat K State, we get the winner of Baylor Iowa State. One of whom we've beaten once, yeah. one of whom we've beaten twice. And if Jamie Dixon has to beat Iowa State or Baylor to get to the Big 12 title game, I will I will take Coach Dixon because then he will be on a run. In those three-day stretches, don't scare him. When you played in the old Big East tournament that starts on like a Tuesday at uh, Madison Square Garden and ends like a week and a half later, this doesn't bother him. He's familiar with this. So I would... I would feel really good if they can get past Kansas State that they could get to the final. Like I said, I'm just free basing Kool Aid here and straight into my veins. But yeah. that I I, f- I feel real confident about the Frogs going into Kansas City. And maybe it's because they beat an undermanned Texas team in front of nine fans at the Irwin Center. But that said, I feel really good about uh, their ability to make a run here because if they can beat Oklahoma State, which they should, then good things can happen. That's that's what I say. Good things can happen. Well, I know when they went up to Manhattan earlier this year, they they were without Kawat, and they played them close. I ended up losing by ten, and you had to think, okay, well, if Kawat Noy was in this game as well, because I think he had just scored thirty points against Oklahoma, and so everyone was kind of at the at the opinion, well, if Kawat would have played, this would have been a different game, and then they played him at home, and they completely shut Kawat out. And I've said this on the board, Kawat has to be the difference maker. And he's really struggled the last three games from beyond the arc. And that that's his forte. That's that's where everyone gets excited. That's that's really what helps this offense is when he's on from three-point range, TC usually does win the game, except against Oklahoma when no one else decided to play. But Desmond Bain, if, man, if he could play like he did against Texas and, and – Hopefully that gives him a lot of confidence moving forward. Let him shoot early and often. And one thing that we noticed, and and you probably noticed this as well, Jeff, is I'm sitting there watching them against Texas, and I'm thinking, man, they were playing fast. They were playing a lot faster than what they normally had played. And, and they kept that pace up, kept that pace up, until about the final six minutes, and they started to play – not to win the game, but they started to play not to lose the game. And it was, I know it was driving a lot of people nuts because up to that point, they had played a pretty fast up-tempo offense. They were taking shots early. Uh, they they actually had some great open looks uh, in that game as well. But it was, it just seemed like a more motivated offense than what we've seen the last few weeks. It didn't seem like they were, let's, let's, dribble the ball around at the top of the key. Oh, there's 10 seconds left. We better shoot or do something. And they're throwing up wild circus shots. They were, they were creating shots early in, in, in the shot clock and, and getting open looks and making them. They, they shot, I think 54% against Texas. And if they can continue that against Oklahoma state, if they play that well against Oklahoma state, as they did against Texas, I think it's going to be a, a double digit win for TCU. Because I do, I do know. Even though Texas was down Roach, they still had Jackson Hayes, and, and they they still had uh, a, a good assortment of athletic ball players on their team. I mean, they've they've got a, a, a very athletic roster. I mean, for crying out loud, they're Texas. They they recruit some really good players. But if if TCU can just go down or go up to Kansas City and play in that open round against Oklahoma State like they did Texas, carry that momentum over, then we'll be seeing all purple on the next day on on Thursday. Hopefully they won't be too tired from it. Yeah, well, you hope not. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. Let's get on the record here. Let's go all three of us. I'll start with uh, Jeremy and then Daniel, and then I'll I'll, uh, close it up here. Jeremy, what do the Frogs do in the Big 12 tournament, and who is going to win the Big 12 tournament? Give us your hot take. I think they're going to beat Oklahoma State. I'm predicting an upset over Kansas State. And then they're going to lose to Baylor, Iowa State winner. Who's going to win the big – It's very tough. If, if it's Iowa State, then it's very, very tough to, to win over the same team three three times in one year. Uh, and Baylor, it's just Baylor. Something kooky will happen. Makai Mason will go off for like – 
10 threes again, something stupid. Um, but they'll have enough to get into the NCAA tournament, and they'll be tired by that game too. So two and one in the Big 12. Big 12 champion, Texas Tech. I think Chris Beard has got it going on up there. He's a great coach. He's got great players. Jarrett Culver's best player. Uh, Matt Mooney's great. Point guard's great. I mean, they, they're just athletic top to bottom. Daniel, where, what do you have the Frogs doing in the Big 12 tournament, and then who do you think is going to win it? Frogs lose. They just lose, 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 and they're out. And then Kansas State wins it all. That's kind of hard to argue with, with the inner pessimist inside of me. But <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I have to go on is my pessimism. Well, you know, George. Why are we even going up there is what I think. You know, George Will has my favorite quote ever. Uh, the upside of being a pessimist is you're either pl- you're either proven right or pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of those guys on our board. No, they're just they're just they just want to be proven right. They don't take any delight in being surprised. So, I uh, you know they're the kind of guys that when a kid uh, gets an offer and you interview him and they reply, "Get back to me in February." Then I'm like, what, why are you laying down like five ninety five a month to, to follow this if you don't care? They're like you just want to be negative, you know? Or, I know this who kid's cares not coming here. through for five touchdowns. Who, who cares? He threw that one interception. Oh man, we we need to have a whole in, in the middle of this dead of summer when there's nothing going on. We should have just an off season full of grumpy cliches because we could fill we could fill an episode with that stuff. So, all right, real quick, let me give you this. I'm, I think the Frogs are going to beat Oklahoma State. I think the Frogs are going to beat Kansas State. And then I th- yeah, there you go, Jeff. Yep, and then I think they're going to beat Baylor in the semifinals and get beat by Kansas in the finals. <laughs> That's my scorching hot sports take. With that said, that probably means we'll get beat by Oklahoma State in the first round. So, you just go the totally opposite direction of Daniel. He's lose, 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 and you're win, win, win. Uh, we'll lose to the conference, the conference champion year after year. Hey, I predicted us to lose to Oklahoma in football, so there's my. I did predict that, so <laughs> I, I can admit that I did pick us to go eleven and one, and there you are. So, uh, all right, we're gonna close out with something. Uh, no, two things I wanted to close out with. One, I just want to acknowledge the passing of Dan Jenkins, the uh, legendary sports writer from Fort Worth, TCU grad. Great book. If you haven't read it yet, don't buy it on Amazon right now because the pi- prices have just spiked because of his of his passing. Saturday's America was about college football in the sev- in the 60s. And it, it's just an amazing book. I'm a, I'm a huge Dan Jenkins fan. He wrote tons and tons of books. Probably his best work is not his, his uh, journalism covering of the game, though that was probably maybe the best to ever color, cover college football. It was his sports fiction, man. Uh, you know, semi-tough, you got to play her. They were just the, – Billy Clyde Plunkett is is every Texas boy's hero. I mean, there's just so many great, great um, stories that he's written. I got a couple of autographed Dan Jenkins books. And um, he passed away this week. His daughter wrote a great, uh, great story about him. She writes for – covers sports for the Washington Post. She's she's amazing. Uh, but I just, I just want to acknowledge the passing of Dan Jenkins. The press box – Jeremy, if I remember right, the press box is named after him now at, at Amy Carter. Yes. Yep, sure is. Last year, dedicated it to him. One of the cool things, I heard Dan Jenkins tell this story. He was at the, it was 1935. They called it the game of the century. Number one TCU against number two SMU, where the Frogs lost late by one score and then ended up winning the national title. If I, if I remember this right, they, they won the Sugar Bowl against Carnegie Tech. I think I got this right. Somebody's going to correct me. But they won the national title. He was like seven years old or eight years old. And then, of course, ended up going to TCU and then becoming a legendary sports writer. So he's he saw it all. I mean, this is a guy that actually saw TCU win a national championship. I don't know if he was at the bowl game where they got crowned, but uh, they probably didn't even get crowned at the bowl game. But he's, he's he saw it all. And I don't think there was anybody more delighted to watch the resurrection of TCU football than Dan Jenkins. So just want to acknowledge that he uh, did some great work for the university. Obviously, was a great ambassador for the university. And if you love college football, you got to love Dan Jenkins. He's as good as they come. So Absolutely. 
All right, I'm going to put you guys on the spot here. I had a, a wit. You got to pick one. So I'm going to start with you, Jer- uh, Daniel. I'm going to start with you. We're going to close out with just a hypothetical here. We're in this odd window where we actually have football, baseball, and basketball going on at the same time. We're ramping up the baseball season. Uh, took two out of three out in California. Basketball, we're clearly sprinting towards the postseason, and football is doing spring. So we have all three of them going on. So. Jared or Daniel, I'm going to start with you. I want you to pick one. I'm going to give you three scenarios, and you have to pick one and explain it and defend it to the death. Which one of these three would you rather pick? Would you rather the Frogs get to a Final Four in basketball, but not win the title? But if they get to the Final Four, they can't go back to Omaha or get to a New York Six for the next 10 years. So would you trade... 10 years of postseason purgatory of any consequence for football and baseball in order to get to a Final Four? Or would you rather win two straight national titles in baseball but miss the NCAA tournament for five years and miss the New Year's Six for eight years? And then your third option is one playoff appearance in football. They don't win the title, but there's one playoff appearance in football, but no Omaha and no NCAA tournament for 10 years. In that third scenario, they do they win the playoff game? Yeah. So they don't win the title title game and lose. They get to the national championship and lose. And it's not to like A&M or anything. It's like you lose to, to, to USC or to um, Clemson or something like that. All right. I want to go with the third one then because that football is a bazillion times uh, more important, you know, than the other sports. Uh, as far as uh, your the school's profile and <clears throat> things like that, and then and then you, you said um, you never said you couldn't win again in football after that. So it's only going to elevate the football program, but at the sacrifice of the other two, I'm okay. Let's do that. So we'll go ahead and get Schloss fired and Dixon fired in order for us to lose to Clemson in the national championship game. Yeah, but after that, football could continue to get better. You never said they couldn't. So that's that's where I'm going with. If if, if you know, you're, they'll you're recruit make him amend this thing when he gets to me. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm not All right, that, there we I'm go. Stand by it. I, the right loophole. Now. This is Daniel. He finds a lo- he needs to be doing my taxes. He finds the loophole and then exploits it. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. That doesn't mean they just win one, but that was the that was the the, the way that I explained it. And you found the loophole. So I'm I think you're probably right there. One football, you know, losing the national championship, and it's not like we have to you know lose to Texas in a rematch or lose to A and M or something pathetic like that. It's just some standard good college football team and then there's no NCAA turn we've all we live through no year with no 10 years with no NCAA tournament we live what did we went through lose through went through 20 years of no NCAA tournament so we can we can handle 10 I'd, I'd miss Omaha a little bit because that's a lot of fun so all right Jeremy uh you do you, you need to repeat them I can do it real quick or which one are you going to go with I'm going to go the same same thing as Daniel so you're okay sacrificing can, can I give you, 10 years of postseason yeah. in uh, in NCAA for basketball and not going back to Omaha for 10 years just to lose to USC or Clemson or Michigan in the yeah. in the national title game. You think that's a fair trade-off? Football, oh, yeah. Football does so much more than those other two sports. Do you know who won the 2014 NCAA basketball championship? UConn, because they beat my Kentucky Wildcats, and I hate Ryan Boatwright, but I'm the only one listening to the show that could tell you that. How about how about 2013? Nope, I can't. (laughs) Okay, so we're talking just six years ago, and and the reason why you remember that other one is because they beat your team. So Louisville won it six years ago. So that's just dating back 16. And I guarantee you, any diehard football fan can remember who won the national championship in football back in 2013. Yeah, that was Florida State, and the next year was Ohio State. Next year was Alabama. Next year was Clemson, and then Alabama, and then Clemson. Well, 14 was actually Florida State. <laughs> no, no, the 14th 13 season was Alabama. The, the, 
All right, the title okay. game, January 3rd or whatever, was Florida State. But the 13th season was Florida State. And then the 14th season was Ohio State because that's the year the Frogs should have won the national title was 2014. Yes. You know, the title game was in 15, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah. So you basically, you basically just rattled off those names like nothing. And you're not a part of any of those schools. You're, you're, you're a fan of TCU. You're not a fan of any of those schools. The only reason you're able to name the basketball schools because they beat another team that you like. Do you know who won the baseball championship? Uh, last year. What year? All I remember is Coastal Carolina won it. What was that, 17? No, 16. The se- 16. Yeah, when they beat TCU. Yeah, because they, 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 they beat out TCU, right. So my point of the matter is, is like even even if you – even if you go to those championships, it's not for you to remember that. That's great. But for a football standpoint, it's not only you as a TCU fan, everyone remembers who won, who won the national championship. Everyone remembers the TCU over Ole Miss game, 42 to three guarantee. Everyone, everyone can remember that. On the flip side, I hate to say it, everyone probably remembers the Baylor sixty-one to fifty-eight game. What's that? That's that's just. <laughs> I don't. That's just that's just that's just football. You're you're going to remember so much more football. So I would take the chance, the opportunity for TCU to go to a national championship game, because even if they lose, as Daniel said, you still build upon that, and they and that's the one thing. That is the one thing because TCU's been to Omaha. Basketball, TCU hasn't been a basketball school in its entire existence. I mean, you could go back to Killingsworth and and talk about how great the teams were then. They were great, but it was it ever a basketball school? TCU, as long as Gary Patterson is roaming those sidelines, is never going to be a basketball school. It you know it would it would take a national championship and it would still be considered a football school. Honestly, it 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 really would. So, for them to go to the national championship in football put me down ten out of ten times, because uh, it that that sport just does so much more perspective wise than it does or perception wise than it does for the other two sports. And I'm sorry for you basketball and baseball fans. I know Jeremiah's listening, saying, "Are you sorry, sucker?" Because he loves baseball, but I, I'm just being truthful. I, I take football any day of the week. I'm going to agree with you guys. One national title appearance in football would change everything. You know, I, I want to say one playoff appearance, but at the same time, you know, I think some people, some some playoff appearances are more valuable than others. Nobody, Washington has not uh, used that playoff experience to to elevate themselves to another notch. But man, if you can get to that title game, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. So. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'd go ahead and sacrifice 10 years of, of Omaha and NCAA in order to get to the national title game and lose. But then, can you imagine how, how much we would wallow in our in our despair if the Frogs got to the national title game and lost it? Um, you know, don't ever tell me you'd just be glad that you got there. Oh, it would sting so bad. It would sting. I mean, do you do y'all wallow in defeat for Omaha as many times as they've been there for that? I did when they lost to Coastal Carolina because that title was for the taken. I do that. I can, I can admit that. Other times, no. I mean, 2010, you know, glad to be there. Uh, getting to knock out A&M, that was worth the whole season. But that, that season when they had Coastal Carolina, all they had to do was go one and one against them, and they couldn't do it. That that hurt so bad. That hurt bad. But that's just me. <laughs> But I'm the kind of guy, I cling to, I I cling mean, to I the weirdest stuff in sports, so it's okay. I cling to the... TCU is, is really a small-bore rifle school anyway. I know I was yeah. going to say yeah. that. We rifle, are a rifle, rifle. school. <laughs> yeah. great. But I, I tell you what, there's. I don't think there's any TCU fan that's just so upset that they haven't won an NCAA, a, a national championship in basketball. No, there's not. All. No, there's not. Um, you're talking about four years ago, this team going, zero and 18 and big 12 play. And now we're, we're talking about them, you know, having a chance to, to make the NCAA tournament for the second year in they've only made, let me get, make sure my numbers are right. 
I'm going to guesstimate here, but the last time I think TCU made the NCAA tournament two consecutive seasons, the last year they did it was 50, the 52-53 season or the 53-54 season. So almost 70 years is the last time they've made back-to-back NCAA appearances. Yeah, that would be amazing if they were able to, uh, you know, duplicate that. Go back for a second season in a row. That would be great. That would be the best back-to-back seasons in TCU history. I mean, that's just the easiest way to measure it. Um, man, that would be ridiculous. You know, you mentioned Daniel that we're basically at a rifle school. Did you see John Denton's comment that you know the frogs won the rifle competition, but the problem is they beat all the service academies? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see that. That's funny. I know. It's like, am I am I allowed to laugh at that? Yeah, I can laugh at that. It's like, hey, they have the best rifle team. Oh, Army, we step up, Army. We could use you. <laughs> I got a kick out of that. So I'm telling you, they're the Alabama of college rifle. Now, Alabama is you. the TCU of football. Is that right? Did I get that right? I don't. Know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm scrambling. Yeah, I'm Alabama. Tired. No. Alabama football is the TCU of rifle. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. It's the other way around. It's flipped. So, Well, we've been going for an hour and five minutes here, so let's go ahead and bring this thing to a glorious close. Anything else you guys have for the good of the cause before we wrap up? Nope. Daniel, stay safe out in Parker County, man. We got bad storms coming. Yeah, I saw that earlier today. Uh, I'll try. Pray for Daniel. Yes, we will pray for Daniel and pray for Parker County. Man, I I could make so many jokes, but I'll just kind of keep them to myself. I've been told we mock certain communities on this podcast, and I don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. So So we will bring this to an end. I want to thank everybody for listening. If you haven't yet, please go online to hornfrogblitz.com and subscribe to our website. You're going to find all the information that we hash through on this podcast, as well as some great recruiting nuggets and inside information on changes to the program. You want to know where we broke the story about Malcolm Kelly coming and coaching at TCU? This is the place where you were able to do that. you got to sign up for hornfrogblitz.com. Also, Please subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, or your app of choice. You'd uh, go on there, give us a review or a five-star rating. We sure would appreciate that. This will automatically download into your podcasting app of choice uh, every morning when you get up. And we have a new show released, usually on Sunday nights, but this week on Monday night. Uh, next week will be on Monday night. So we'll, uh, you know, you need to stay updated on that. But if there's anything else that we can do to answer your questions or keep you informed, just let us know. We want to make this show something that you guys want to listen to. So for Jeremy and for Daniel, I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to the Frogcast.